0: Um, Yeah. I forgot to mention that we're doing two services next week. So I'll mention that real quick. So we're 9 and 11 next week as well. So just to make sure everybody knows that as well. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. I don't know about you, but this beatitude of maybe all of them ignites my imagination, I think a bit. It, it, it ignites my heart in a way that the others don't. This this, this blessing at the end, for they shall see God. Oh, man, isn't that what we want? Right? Isn't that that isn't that our heart's desire? I think this is so ingrained in us as human beings that we want to see our Creator. I remember as a kid, as a teenager, right. I remember I, I, you know, became a Christian early in my life, and so my teen years was really was kind of that Jesus freak mode in my life, right. And uh, it, it, we'll talk about Jesus freak later again as well. But uh, it, Jesus freak mode in my high school years really just looking for Jesus, wanting to follow him, leading people to Christ. I mean, this this was my life, right. And I, I was just enjoying all of that. But I remember uh, I, I also had this amazing, like, really cool car. Uh, it was um, a '78 Olds. 442. It was amazing. Uh, Anyway, black and had like gray stickers. Oh, man, it was amazing. Anyway, I love this car, and I love to drive, and I still actually love to drive. I don't have cool cars anymore to drive in, so it's not quite as fun, but, uh, you know, (laughs) Buick Rendezvous just (laughs) quite doesn't, isn't that cool, right? I mean, everybody goes, oh, wow, look at that car. (laughs) I was like, what? Anyway, but uh, so in high school, I I got this great car. I love to drive, and I love to drive at night, and I love to drive at night with all of my windows down and the heat cranked and just cruise around and just, like, enjoy, like, that fresh air and just spend time with the Lord and all this kind of stuff. And then every once in a while I would go uh, up on a hill. Now, I lived in western Washington, so I'd go up on a hill in town and, and I would get up, you know, kind of that you know, spot that's kind of dark, you know, away from the city lights, and I would park my car and then I would get out of my car. And I would lay on my hood, and I'd look up at the amazing stars, which were only out in August. So this only happened in August, because the rest of the time, there was clouds. is was western Washington, right? I mean, anyway, But uh, so I would lay on my car, and I would observe the amazing skyline. And just sit in awe, in essence, right, going, wow, this is amazing. But I'd also, many times, would begin to have this conversation with God, like, so, like, God, like, nobody else is around right now. I mean, you could, like, I don't know, do something cool right now. and It'd just be me. I'd see it, right? You wouldn't have to, you know, like, make a big deal or anything. You know, everybody's watching. Just, you know, I'm just here, right? And maybe you've prayed this prayer, right? You know, God, could you just kind of, like, just show me, like, your, just show me you're around, right? Like, show me that you're real. I mean, I know you're real, but, like, it would be really cool to have some kind of sign that says, yeah, I'm real, right? Have you ever prayed that prayer? Have you ever asked, thought that? And I don't know, maybe that's just me. But I, And then I was struck as I was preparing this message and thinking about this reality, this desire in my heart to see God, and then I remembered the story that we read at the beginning of our service in Exodus where Moses asks this very question. God, can I see you? Will you show yourself to me? And, I mean, shocking. It wasn't a shock that he asked the question, right? I think we all asked that question. But what was shocking was that God said, yeah, sure, we can make that work, right? I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's not fair. Moses, why did you get that, right? And so God puts him in the cleft of the rock, right? And then he passes by me. You can't see my face, but I'll let you see my glory. I want, you, I want you to see my back as I pass by. And Moses gets this amazing experience with seeing God. And all of this comes to mind as I read This beatitude, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, another thing came to mind as I was thinking about this as well, and and that was this truth that we see in John 4, 24, where we realize that God is spirit. And we're like, wait a second, if God is spirit, how can we see God right? God is not made of matter, right? He's not made of substance. He's not made of things of this world that we could actually observe and see with our eyes, right? So it's not like God could just, you know, appear. Now, Jesus, right? We got Jesus nowadays, right? You know, that's cool. We, He's got that body thing going, which is pretty awesome. But God himself is spirit, right? The divine aspect of God is spirit. We can't see him. So I was like, well, how do we do this? You know, we want to see our creator. We want to see God, but we can't because he's spirit. And so how does this work? And then I realized another reality, and this is the amazing truth of in creation, right? The sun, right? Uh, You ever thought about it? Now this this morning, we've got the smoke that's filtering the sun. And so maybe some of you, especially with sunglasses, you can look up and you can kind of look at the sun, but normally without the smoke. Right? We can't look at the sun, at least not for very long. Otherwise, we burn our eyes out, right? I mean, it's not gonna work. We can't actually look at the sun, but, and even if we do, even now when we're looking up there, we're actually not like seeing the sun, right? We're seeing the radiance of the sun. Right? We're not seeing the surface of the sun. We're only seeing the radiance that's coming off of the surface of the sun. And I think this is an example of how we can also see God, who is spirit. We we can't actually see God like, you know, as if he's a human being, like he's like flesh and blood, like he's material, like he's substance that we can actually see. We can't actually see him, but we can see his radiance. And we can see the impact that he has in this world. This is the God who we worship. In essence, as I contemplated this idea of seeing God, I boiled it down to this. I think seeing God is an awareness of his presence, his voice, and his action. Every time we become aware of God's presence, we are seeing God. Every time we are aware of his voice speaking to us, we are seeing God. Every time we see what God is doing in us and around us and through us, we are seeing God. This is the seeing that we long for. And in essence, even back in my teenage self, when I'm laying on top of my cars, looking up in the stars and saying, God, maybe just, you know, a few shooting stars, you know, that would spell out your name or something, that would be cool, right? What I was off, what I was actually looking for was evidence that he was real, evidence that he was there, evidence that he was not just some mirage or just some image in my brain or some, something I just made up on my own, but that he actually was real. That's what I was looking for. And that's what I think we're all looking for. And we can see God. We recognize he's real when we become aware of his presence, when we hear his voice and we can see his activity around the world. So in essence, I've started with the end of this beatitude. And now I want to work my way back. So how do we see God? How do we become aware of his presence? How do we become aware of his voice and of his action? by having a pure heart. In order to have eyes to see, we have to have a pure heart. A pure heart is pretty simple to define. It's basically single-mindedness. But it's not easy to do. Single-mindedness is the idea, the ability to be able to zero our focus... Onto one thing. Single-mindedness has to do with the the fact that all of our goal, our whole goal is one thing. Our our motivation is one thing. Our pathway is after one thing. Having one goal, one motivation, one direction for our life, that is single-mindedness. I want to read an awesome passage. Man, i got some good passages to read with you guys today. So this is, it's, this is part of what's fun about this message. Hebrews chapter 12. Familiar, you guys know this. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. I want to stop before I continue. You guys know this verse. But you also know that before this is chapter 11, which is the faith chapter. Right? This is the chapter where the author of Hebrews goes through all of these people throughout history who have proven their faithfulness to God. In essence, to, to wrap it around into this message today, have proven their single-mindedness, proven that they were pure in heart, and as a result, they were able to see God. And so he starts with this chapter again, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, in essence, therefore, since we are surrounded by so many people in the past and in the future and in our present state who have been single-minded and have seen God, how about you? Let us also lay aside... Every weight, think about single-minded here, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely to us, and let us run with endurance the race, the path that is set before us, looking only to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Do you get this? Like the, This is a single-minded passage right here. That we would get our focus on Jesus. Get it off of all of the distractions of this world. Get it off of our, even our own sin. How often do we allow sin to distract us to get our eyes off of Jesus? We like, oh, I'm a sinful person, so we look inwardly and downward and ah, I'm just horrible. No, no, no. We need to continue to look at Jesus even in our sin. Single-minded passage. This is what single-mindedness is, is fixing our eyes on Jesus. He is the one goal. He is the only motivation, and he sets the only path that we can follow. We are surrounded by examples of people who are living this out, not only in Scripture, but also, I think, in our lives. Pure in heart, those who are focused on Jesus are the ones who allow Jesus and his perspective to trump all other perspectives that are out there. It's his perspective that we lean into. Again, he's the goal. He's the motivation. He's the path. And so when other things in our world try to tell us, hey, you need to go this way, I mean, no, 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 it's Jesus. Jesus. When the world says, hey, it's chaos and it's all falling apart, it's Jesus. When the world says, division, division, hate, hate, you got to do that. No, it's Jesus. It is those who are able to zero their focus on Jesus that have a pure heart. And the amazing thing is as we have that one goal, that pure heart, we can see Jesus. We can see. Continuing to work backwards on this verse, we have to recognize that the pure in heart as all of the other be attitudes, is not something that we can just accomplish on our own. It's not just something that we just come up with on our own. It's not something that we can just like, you know, if I just work really hard, I'll get there. Pure in heart only comes about as a result of confrontation. See, the world world tells us (laughs) that we can have it all the world tells us we can have it all you know uh, you know we don't have any teenagers teenagers in here but maybe some of you are young enough that this would still you know be in your mindset but you know you, you can be the the straight A student the you know the the amazing athlete and the awesome musician all at the same time you can do it all you can be a great student. You can be a great athlete. You can be a great you know, musician. You can do it all. You don't need to sacrifice any of that. You can do it. For those of us who are in the adult realm, you can do it all. You can be a great mom. You can be a great dad and have an amazing career where you're super successful and working all the time and making that happen. You can be a, still be a good spouse in the midst of that as well. You can have it all. This is what our world continues to drive home into, into our hearts and our minds, right, constantly. You know, you don't see any commercials, uh, you know, very few commercials where it talks about, oh, yeah, yeah you know what, just settle. You know, <laughs> you, it's okay if you can't get it. It's all right. You know, some people ain't just, dis- it's just not going to happen for some. It's okay. No, no, commercials are all about igniting us, right, to, to go and to do. You can do more than you think if you just put your mind to it. If you just work harder, if you just do this, or you just do that. You just buy these products. You know, oh, this product. Oh, hey, look it. Now, I'm, now I can do it all. Anyway. Um. This is the message that we are getting from our world. And we as Christians have bought into this message as well. And we attach then our Christianity to it as well. We can be a Christian, but we can also be really cool and relevant in the world and not have to always talk about Jesus. I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of, that's weird, right? So we can be... Everything that we want. We can have the respect from the world. We can have success from the world, and we can still have this label Jesus on Sunday morning. Our culture also celebrates the balanced and the diversified. You know, culture doesn't like actually single mindedness. They they say, you know, if you want to be successful, you need to diversify not only your portfolio, but also your skills, right? You need to develop a lot of different skills so that you can fit into a lot of different markets. You know, I mean, what happens if, you know, everything changes and, and the job changes and now, you, you know, whatever you're doing now doesn't fit anymore. You got to find something new. So you got to diversify. You want to be able to learn all the different jobs that are in your business so that if something happens, you can move from one to the other. Being singularly focused is not what our culture wants us to be. Matter of fact, it usually puts down those who are singular focused. The mom who says, no, I'm going to stay home and take care of my kids instead of pursue a career. What? What are you doing? That's just crazy. Oh, boy, you're missing out on everything. The dad who doesn't work overtime in order to go home and be with his wife and his kids. What are you doing? That's, come on, you know, it's for the business. You got to make sure you take, if you don't do this, it's going to be bad on you. I mean, I don't know if we can keep you around if you're not going to be able to put in that extra overtime. See, the pressure in our world pushes us to do it all. But eventually, the confrontation comes when we fail and we find out we can't do it all find out that you know all of a sudden our teenager is just like starts to go crazy <laughs> and starts to do things that like what is going on and start to get involved in and in drugs and different things because you know we've got two parents who've been working you know full-time all the time and and, and haven't been home after school and so the kids have just been left to an opportunity to to maybe do some things that they shouldn't and and so we're oh, wait a second no wait I, I I can have it all I can have great kids and I can have a career what this is they're just being selfish those kids darn it what what's going on or marriages that begin to fall apart and for some reason we're divorced wait a second I'm a Christian I shouldn't be getting a divorce this what happened I thought we had this I thought I could have this it all and we get confronted with this reality that we can't have it all some of us the confrontation is just burnout we've been burning the candle at both ends we've been you know just running ourselves ragged for so many months and years that our body just shuts down and we get sick. We can't do it anymore. We Start lashing out. We're depressed. And we don't know why. At some point, we all will be confronted with this reality that we can't do it all. I think, you know, some of us are experiencing that right now in the pandemic. Over the last six months, as we have lost so many things, our lives have totally been turned upside down. And some of us are still fighting to have it all. We can do this. I can homeschool my kids. I can make that happen. I, I, can, I can still work and, and homeschool my kids. It's going to be okay. We're going to make this through. I can still do all the things that I was I can, still, I can I can do this. Some of us, even though we're s- me, still fighting, we're realizing it's a losing battle already. It is when we have been confronted by this reality that we have an opportunity. And if you're confronted by this reality even today in the midst of all that's been going on in the chaos or maybe just recently you've had this happen, I don't know, maybe a year ago and you're still trying to figure out what happened. If you have been confronted by the reality that you can't do it all, then there is an opportunity. An opportunity for blessing. And the blessing is this, is to turn our focus to Jesus. When we recognize that we can't do it all, then that means we want to zero our focus to just one thing. Because we can do that. That's the one thing we can do. Everything else gets simplified. Everything else kind of washes away. And it's not about being a good dad. It's not about being a good husband. It's not about being a good worker. It's not about any of that. stuff. It's just about Jesus. That I just want to have one relationship, one thing that I know that I'm having success in. And the unbelievable, amazing truth of Scripture is this. The moment we bow our knee to Jesus, we are successful. The relationship is completely restored. Not just in the moment, but for all eternity. He is the one thing. When we bow our knee to Jesus as Lord, he becomes the one thing, and that one thing we are already successful at, not because of our greatness, not because of what we have done, not because of our brilliant minds, but because of what Jesus has done, the fact that he came and he lived and he died for us. He rose from the dead. He is preparing a place for us for all eternity. Jesus is the reason that we're successful. It is the one thing that we need to cling to and to seek. And when we do so, it changes our focus on the rest of our life. We can become Jesus freaks. This has become so... uh, I remember actually I had a wrestling match with this with the Lord just recently, just a few months ago, like maybe six or seven months ago, about this concern of being seen as a Jesus freak. Like somebody who only, you know, I just know about Jesus. I'm just focused on Jesus. I'm just worried about, you know, what he has to say and what he's doing and following him wherever he leads. I was worried, oh, he's a Jesus freak. Who is this pastor we've got? He's a Jesus freak. Or who is this friend I've got? He's a Jesus freak. He's always talking about Jesus. Why is that? What's going on? And so I was freaking out about that. And then I realized, wait a second. Why is that a bad thing? Matter of fact, this is what Scripture teaches us over and over again, is that we are to be Jesus freaks. Another amazing passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul, he was a good guy, and he was a bit of a Jesus freak. Listen to this, what he says. He's writing to the Corinthians in verse 2. 4, uh, let's go back to verse 1. I've got to get con- a little bit of context. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. I didn't figure out, you know, how to, the apologetics of it all. I didn't figure out how to, you know, make sure that I can communicate this message so that you could receive it, so that you could understand it. I didn't work, i worry about all that kind of stuff. I didn't make sure that I was wearing the right clothes so you didn't, like, oh, that's a Jesus freak, I'm out of here, right? You know, I didn't worry about any of that. I didn't worry about how I was going to communicate it. I just did this. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Amen? Jesus freak right here, Paul. He decided, you know what, I, don't, I, I didn't come to try to convince you of anything else. I didn't come trying to you know, make sure that I could make this sound really pretty and good to you. I just came knowing Jesus and trusting that Jesus would be the one who would help me to communicate the message to you wherever you were at at the moment. And the Holy Spirit would interpret that in your ears and that you would be struck by the love of Jesus, and that you would choose to surrender your life as well. He, Jesus, is our goal and our direction and our motivation. We must allow Jesus to infect all that we do. We still are a child. We still are a spouse. We still are a parent. We still have jobs, but we don't stop doing those things. We don't have to become a monk in order to be a Jesus freak. But what makes us a Jesus freak is that instead of allowing the world to influence how we worship Jesus, we allow how we worship Jesus to infect how we do all of those other things. The world tells us to compartmentalize our religion. It says, if you want to be a Christian, fine, go ahead. You just do that on Sundays or on your own at home, whatever. But don't you dare bring prayer into school. Don't you dare start to talk about Jesus at your job. Don't you dare bring uh, you know, any kind of biblical perspective to the government and, and those kind of, I mean, we've got a judge that's a Catholic, and I, I, whatever your view on Catholic is, it doesn't matter, but her religious views are being attacked simply because they're religious views, and he, those aren't welcome into this government system that we have. How backwards is that? If we're a Christian and those perspectives of Jesus and Scripture don't impact our perspective of how to run government, that we're not a very good Christian. Because Jesus is meant to be lived out in every aspect of our life. It should change the way that we're a child. It should change the way that we're a parent. It should change the way we're a spouse. Everything that we do should be different because of Jesus in our life. The amazing thing about this pandemic is once more it has, it has exposed our own hearts It's exposed the fact that even us as Christians, we haven't had one thing in mind. We've allowed the world to distract us. We've been focused on trying to do it all because it can be done. I know I can do it. And instead of releasing all of those things, see, if we were singularly focused on Jesus, then the pandemic would certainly, all the shutdowns, I mean, certainly that would maybe a little bit of disruption in our life, but would not shake our core. It wouldn't shake our confidence in Jesus. It wouldn't shake our trust in the fact that he still has us and he's in control and that he's caring and loving on us all the way along every day that we don't have to worry about tomorrow because he's already got it taken care of. He knows what tomorrow brings. But because so many of us as Christians, and I am a part of this, don't get me, this is, I am not pointing fingers other than at myself, that I too have been disrupted and have recognized the reality that I have not been seek, seeking just one thing. I've allowed the world to distract me. And I've bought into the lie that I can have it all. May we because of this confrontation once again recommit our minds to that one thing that our hearts would once again be pure single minded it's jesus i want to close now with one last passage this passage too. See, it's fun to preach when you got good passages. I mean, m- normally there's such bad passages to preach on, so. <laughs> yeah. All right. Matthew 6. Okay, <laughs> so this is later in the in the in the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus is is talking about basically idols here. <laughs> And and listen to what he says uh, about light. Jesus starts in verse 19. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then listen. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness. And then he goes on, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You can only serve one thing. And, and, And the eye here I think is important because it goes back to our vision of being able to see God. You see, I think that when we have our eyes fully on Jesus, not only are we able to see God Feel his presence, hear his voice, recognize where he's working around us and in us. But then the light is able to come out of us as well. He says when we zero our focus, that the light is able to enter into us and then return out of us, to others. This is what he's talking about, this darkness. When you're looking at darkness, it's dark. And there's nothing to come out of that darkness because you've only taken in darkness. But when we get our eyes on Jesus, the true source of light, then that light is able not only to enter us, but allows us to see and to communicate his amazing love and light to the world. One thing. That's what we need. To focus on that one thing. China, do not you come up and just a couple more thoughts here before we close? The question is, when you feel the presence of God, and it brings that comfort and peace. And I, I, I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I'm presuming too much. Maybe you haven't felt the presence of God. And if you haven't, then boy, please look to Jesus. It is amazing to feel his comfort and peace that only comes when you feel his presence. But the question is, if you, when you feel the presence of Jesus, is it enough? Is it enough? Or, or do you find yourself looking other places for something more? When you hear the voice of God call you to trust him and and share his words of love with you. Is that enough? Is hearing his voice enough? Or do you find yourself begin to look around for other voices and you want to hear other things? Finally, when you see his action, when you see new believers come to Christ, when you see his amazing provision throughout all this last six months, when you see the unity that he brings into relationships, is that enough? One thing, Jesus. If we fix our eyes on Jesus, if we can be single mindedly single-minded focused on jesus then we will see god we will recognize his presence we will hear his voice we will see his work in our life and in others and it is enough heavenly father we thank you for your goodness to us in so many ways We thank you that you have done so much for us already, that you pursue us each day, that you continue to allow us to be confronted by this world in different ways so that we can recommit our life to you, so that we can recognize that this world is not right Lord, it's only when we are confronted with these realities, it's only when the world fails us that we look for other answers. We look for the one answer, which is Jesus. So, Lord, we thank you for the confrontations that we are experiencing even now. Lord, we thank you what this pandemic and the shutdowns and the uh, the racial tensions the political tensions that we're experiencing in this country right now we thank you for all of that because it forces us to realize and to admit that this world is broken and it's only when we recognize that that we give up hope in it and instead place our hope in you Lord, I pray that you would help each and every one of us to become single-minded like Paul, to be totally focused. Our only goal is Jesus. Our only motivation is Jesus. Our only direction is Jesus. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 and following. Paul writes, but whatever gain I had, I counted as a loss for the sake of Christ. Let me read that again. But whatever gain I had, I counted it as a loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know Him, and the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, but by it, that by any means possible, I too may attain the resurrection from the dead. In Jesus' name, amen, and God bless, and have a great day.